The following audio is from LCBC Church. To learn more about LCBC, visit lcbcchurch.com. Today, I want to talk about something that is very important. I mean, it has serious, it's a serious problem. It has serious implications in our culture. And it goes like this. You're in a conversation, and the person you're talking with says something that you totally disagree with, okay? Something that is like a hot-button political social issue of the day, and you're like, uh, what do I do with this? You know, you freeze. You don't know what to say. Or maybe you're in a group of people who all of a sudden it's obvious that there are people in that group, they believe something or they hold to something, an idea that's the complete opposite of you and your values, and they turn to you and they say, so what do you think about the whole thing? I mean, what do I do? I'm about to make someone lose their mind if I really say what I believe, okay? I see this more and more with people who just don't know what to do in situations, and and it has to do with a couple things. First, we don't know how to react when someone says something that we totally disagree with. We just don't know how to gut level react. And we don't know what to say as part of the conversation where you completely disagree with what the person is saying. And they're asking what you think, and you're like, ah, man, what do I do? And so often we don't say anything. We ignore, we move on. You know what I mean? You, you could be out for an evening with uh, friends, you know, or maybe it's after class, you're with a bunch of people, and uh, whatever it is. I mean, it could be Thanksgiving dinner, you know, because that's coming. That's a lot of fun. Get ready for that. So someone says something that bumps into a hot topic or a political philosophy or a deeply held conviction, and it could be about the environment, it could be about race relations, it could bump into issues of identity or gender, and things that we're having, the conversations we're having as a culture right now that are just filled with a lot of heat. And the reason there is so much heat behind these issues is that convictions are no longer just about ideas. See, as a culture, our beliefs and our convictions have become so deeply personal that opinions about an issue have now become opinions about me, not it. And it's no longer about the idea. It's become about our identity. And identity politics, they go like this. If you think like we do, then you're accepted. And if you don't think like we do, then you don't belong here. Or worse, you're dangerous. And what's even more difficult is because we're talking about people and not ideas, it means we're holding opinions or having a value that is different than the crowd. That is seen as sometimes violence or, or dangerous to some people. And so this leads us to just throw up our hands and say, I don't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I have no idea. Maybe I just keep my mouth shut. Maybe I just like fake a hemorrhage, leave the room. I mean, do something, okay? So again, in both senses, what do you do when people say something you disagree with? How can you disagree with someone? This is a huge thing in our culture right now. How do you disagree with someone and remain friends and say it's okay to disagree? And what if you are in a conversation and it gets thrown to you to say something that you know whatever you're about to say is going to blow up the room? You feel that? You know, you feel that sense of like, so I want you to do this. If you're feeling this, I want you to take out your phone, okay? I got a phone number here I want you to send it to. I would love for you to text me something. So whatever campus you're on, whatever, whether you're online, doesn't matter. I just want you to text me one word that best describes how you feel in those moments when you disagree. When you're part of a conversation, it's obvious that your thoughts and values don't line up with everybody else's. What's the one word that best describes that moment 
when you disagree with the crowd. So go ahead and text me that. I'm gonna look at those in a minute. And as you're doing that, okay, as you're doing that, I'm gonna continue because normal conversation has become a minefield and we don't know what to do or we don't know what to say when someone disagrees with us because we don't know how to do it respectfully. And how do we disagree with somebody and hold on to the relationship? That's become an art form that nobody knows about, especially when it comes to cultural or social or political ideas that divide people. You see, here at church, at LCBC, we kind of stay away from that sort of thing because it can be a distraction. It pulls us away from our number one mission, okay? There are lots of important political, social, cultural issues that we could speak about from the stage here. But it's not the most important thing. If we've got limited airtime, it needs to be about Jesus, okay? We need to be talking about the kingdom of God from here. But, 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 but... Our personal conversations, that's different. There are times in your week when you're gonna have conversations with people in which you probably will need to talk about how the truth impacts our culture, our practices, and even our politics. So is there a way to disagree and still retain the friendship? And that's what we're gonna look at today. So look, in order to get at to, to the bottom of that, I've, uh, I wanna break it down a little bit. I kind of developed this little thing called the conversation spectrum. Now, it's not an official thing. It's just my little thing, so don't Google it or anything like that. It could be wrong, but this is how I leak. So conversation spectrum kind of goes like this. Generally, people fall into one of three areas, and so you gotta figure out like which side you're on. So on this side here, you got truth tellers, okay? Truth tellers are the people that love to tell the truth. These people love to stand out. They love to say what they think. They're okay if it makes other people uncomfortable. Truth tellers just tell it like it is, and there's a certain beauty to truth tellers, okay? I love strong-willed people who don't feel the pull of the crowd. They just know what truth is and they go after it. They say what they think. Now look, truth tellers, they're nice people. They're not meanies. But they don't mind if people get hurt hearing the truth because the truth is more important. So if you hear me saying anything today, truth tellers, listen to me, please hear this. If you are a truth teller, I don't think it is God's will for you to shut your mouth and play by the rules. I don't. I think you're right. Truth needs to be communicated, not stifled. But, you knew this was coming. See, this is the hard part for truth tellers. This is hard for them to hear. It's like you become tone deaf to this. When you tell the truth, but you don't do it with grace and love, and even an understanding of how you're coming across to other people, all you've accomplished is being offensive. I'm sorry, that's the truth. Talk about truth tellers. I'm giving you some truth right now. I'm not saying this is who you are. I'm not saying you're offensive. I'm just telling you how you might be coming across to other people. If you're not doing it like Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Got it? So just being straightforward with you. So to illustrate this, this is going to be fun. Remember music class? Like in fifth grade? Okay. So... I tried to find a gong, couldn't really find a gong. This is called like a China crash, but we'll just call it a gong, okay? Does anybody mind? We'll just call it a gong. It's cool. So, so gong, gongs can be annoying, can be really loud. <laughs> I love that. The first, the first crash, people go like, like that. Okay, so yeah. So you like that sound? So we're going to hit this sound a little bit, like... Fun fact. If you know Morse code, I'm saying something with Morse code right now. Ready? 
brought to you by Excedrin. So, listen, you might, you might even realize this, but I just told you that I loved you in Morse code. Check it out. See, see it's like dash, dash, it's like. Okay, do you want me to keep doing it? No, put it away. Okay, I'll put it away. Music is, music class is all done here. So, listen, we learned something from all this. Listen to me. Just because you're making noise does not mean you're communicating. Let me repeat that. Just because you're making noise doesn't mean you're communicating. Half of communication is making sure the recipient understands your message. Okay, so check this. Which means if you don't care what people think, that's a 50% rate. That's failing. Okay? So... That's truth tellers. You got truth tellers on one side. You got to love truth tellers. But on the other side, you got these people we call people pleasers. Okay? People pleasers love people. People pleasers are, are you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that they think that loving people is more important than the truth, but they think that truth comes through loving people. And there's a beauty in how much you get it. If you're a people pleaser, just like the truth tellers are right about the truth, you are right about making sure that people know they are loved. People pleasers have a passion for people. Say that five times real fast. But just like truth tellers need to be reminded that they sometimes can be like a clanging gong, people pleasers need to be reminded that sometimes people just need to hear the truth. The truth just needs to be said. Look, we live in a broken world, right? And sometimes we need to point that out. If we stay silent, we run the risk of being complicit with what's wrong in this world. So... Not telling the truth so that everyone is at peace, that's a false peace, okay? If people get mad about hearing the truth, then the truth has become a hostage, and we're all paying the ransom for that. So that can be a recipe for disaster as well. Okay, so you got two sides of the spectrum. You got truth tellers, you got people pleasers, and then there's us. The 90% of us that are somewhere in the middle, we just don't know what to do. Okay, we don't know what to do when you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Being in between these two sides of the spectrum makes you feel uncertain about yourself, about your reactions. When you get into discussions where you disagree, it can make you feel trapped. It can make you feel anxious. In fact, you know what? You sent me in some great words here. Let's go uh, to the texting thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got some good stuff here. So here's some of the words you text in. This is how it makes you feel. This is us, okay? Uh, you feel, wow, there's a lot more coming in. They're just moving. Anxiety, unsafe, uncomfortable, scared. Matt Parks, you're scared? <laughs> Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Call somebody out. And Matt's probably like, that's exactly why. You know, you're calling me out here. Uh, yikes, that's a good one. Anxious, anxious, anxiety. A lot of anxious in here. Unsafe, uncomfortable, scared. Uh, freeze slash react. I asked for one word, okay? One word. The slash doesn't mean it's one word, okay? Uh, brave, awkward, uh, anxious. My phone won't let me text the number. I, You got through, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I should just, this could be a whole sermon. You know, we could just have fun with this. Just text in random things. Go ahead. You get it, though. Uncomfortable. Someone put in YOLO? <laughs> hey, 
You only live once. So apparently somebody's comfortable with it. Everybody else can't stand it. So some great text. I think we're all on the same wavelength here. You are sharing what I am saying. And we just don't know what to do. And you know what? This is like a spectrum thing here. You got to remember, you know, it's all along the spectrum. There are different places that we find ourselves. The truth tellers, sometimes we feel like that. People pleasers, sometimes we feel like that. And it's usually afterwards that we second guess ourselves. We say, man, I should have spoken up or I should have kept my mouth shut. And so most of us wind up here. We just don't know what to do. And the fact is, we actually need to embrace both, okay? I mean, that's really what the, the fact comes down to. And that's how they describe Jesus. In, in John chapter one, when Jesus shows up on the scene, it says, Jesus, the word, became flesh. When he came here on earth, he came full of grace and truth. He came as a truth teller and he came as a people pleaser and he put them together. See, this is a description of Jesus' message, it wasn't his leadership style. It wasn't how he appeared. It was what he did. It was what he said, how he said it. He was full of grace and truth. You know what that means? That means Jesus never shied away from saying what is true. He didn't keep his mouth shut to save the peace. But there was something about the way that he said it and the way that he got to know people and how he let them know they were loved even as they were hearing that they needed to change. And that's what we need to imitate. Look, I don't care if you're far from God, I want you to try this. See if it works. Try this approach and see if it works. So I know this is a cringy topic. I know that plenty of people can be like, you know, I'm, I'm not, that's not me. I'm just not even gonna listen to this. But let me say something here. Do you know who the future leaders of our culture are going to be? I mean, if you have hope in our culture, the future leaders of our culture are gonna be people that can do this, that can speak the truth with grace. They will become like uncommon flashes of brilliance in a dull world of people that just don't know what to say. Or they're gonna be this beautiful song in a world full of clanging gongs. That's why you and I need to step up. I, th I think what we need to do is we need to look at the example that Jesus gives us. And so there was an early follower of Jesus. I want you to grab your Bible, Acts chapter 17. There's an early follower of Jesus. His name is Paul. He desired to be like, more like Jesus, and he embraced these two ends of the spectrum. Now, he didn't always do this well, okay? But Acts chapter 17 is a great example of leading through grace and truth. And so as you're turning there, let me give you some background. Paul and some of his companions, they're in a city called Thessalonica, okay? And it's a, it's a city in northern Greece. They stay there for three weeks, and they're talking to people about Jesus. And as I get to my Bible here, because I left my Bible backstage, um, they, uh, he, was, he was meeting with them in a synagogue. So this would have been like the normal place for people to meet in a synagogue. I mean, it was kind of like the, the place that people met and exchanged ideas. And what's interesting, in this particular synagogue, it was right in the downtown area, right in the market area, right where there were a couple temples next door. So it's kind of like in this particular neighborhood, there was the forum, which was kind of like the local marketplace. But then there were also two temples right next door to where the synagogue was. What's interesting, in this particular synagogue, there was one to the left where they actually worshiped Caesar. And so that's, you know, super Roman. That's gonna be everything about like how to uh, be a good Roman. Very, very political, okay? And then the second place to the right of that is the temple of Bacchus. And it's right next door. It's the, Bacchus was the god of wine, vegetation, fertility. His whole thing was getting rid of inhibitions and embracing your base drives. Kind of 
He was like the wild child, the free spirit of the gods. So there were those that would engage in these special festivals to Bacchus. They were called Bacchanalia. And the whole point of these parties was to get and stay drunk long enough that you would lose your inhibitions and do whatever came naturally. And you can guess what happened at these particular events. So there's a lot going on in the city. And here's Paul who comes into town and he's speaking about Jesus. Now again, Paul is doing it right. He's speaking in the synagogue. This was the proper place for him. He's not Mr. Bullhorn man. He's not Mr. Man on the corner saying, you're going to hell. He's not doing it. He's doing it in the right place. But see, this is huge. This is giant. Right in the middle of their politics, right in the middle of their religion, right in the middle of their entertainment culture, he was there. And here's the thing. They didn't want to hear about this Jesus person. They were attempting to shut him down. So I want you to look in verse 5. You'll see how this uh, immediately, they, they just want to shut Paul down. In verse 5, it says, But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out into the crowd. It's kind of like what we see today when people get shouted out of restaurants or canceled in public spaces. You think that we've got it bad with protests and demonstrations and riots, but they had it bad too. This environment was just as toxic. I mean, think about it. The very religious Jews, I mean, these are people who really stressed holiness. They are teaming up with Bacchus supporters. These people that were like nasty, okay? They were dragging them into a mob and potentially getting ready to kill them. You think you've got issues about sharing Jesus, you know? You think you've got issues about being a Christian. Imagine getting dragged into a mob. I mean, it was so dangerous that they hid Paul. And that night, they snuck him out of town. And they said, look, go down to Berea. There's this town about 45 miles away. So he had to walk 45 miles southwest I mean, that's a lot of mileage to cover. I mean, when's the last time you walked 45 miles? That's like getting in trouble in Scranton and sneaking down to Hazleton. Or that's like having issues in Ephrata and having to walk to York. Or going from Shemokin to Elizabethville, getting in a riot in Lansdale and needing to escape down to Wilmington. That's a good piece of territory to cover. So Paul escapes to Berea and the people there are much more receptive and he has much better experiences there. But check this out. If you look actually in this chapter, the Jews of Thessalonica were not happy with that. They followed him all the way to Berea and they stirred up the crowd there as well. So Paul is again threatened with an angry mob and they sneak him out of Berea and they put him on a ship and he goes to Athens. So Paul winds up in Athens just to regroup. He spends a few weeks there waiting for his team to rejoin him and launch out in a new direction. So let's just pause here for a second because we got a note here. I love how Paul doesn't get discouraged. I mean, he's chased out of two cities, which is epic. You ever been chased out of a city? He's got two of them, okay? And he becomes basically a cultural rebel. It must have felt like the entire world was against him. But Paul knows deep down. Now, now I want you to write this down. Truth is not found in the mob. Just because you have consensus, just because the majority sides with an issue, it doesn't make it true. See, followers of Jesus have never won popularity contests. You're not going to be the most exciting person to talk with at your work. There are going to be people that kind of like look at you side-eye. You know, that, that's okay. Keep going. If you learn anything from Paul, keep going. See, because Paul continues to seek how he might tell the good news of Jesus wherever he is. So we read that while he's there, Paul saw the place that he was in. He was in Athens. And he saw it was covered 
in statues to Greek gods. Uh, these were like shrines. They were all over the place. And this intrigued Paul. So he went and discussed with the philosophers there. And look in verse 22. We're going to skip down to verse 22. In verse 22, Paul actually starts an entire, almost like a sermon here. Because he's standing in front of these people. He's already made friends with them. And they're like, hmm. Tell us more about this. So then Paul says, okay, well, I'll tell you. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God to whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, that, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen of gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere, listen to what he says, he brings out the R word, to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set the day of judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. I mean, that, that takes guts. And, and you know, it's, there's something genius about what he just did. I mean, think about it. He's kicked out of two cities. He, he kind of had the right to just sleep in, you know, take a vacation for a little bit. But Paul notices the city is very religious, full of statues and shrines. And so he's curious and he wants to learn more. So he gets to know the people and he gets to know the city. He starts talking with some of the movers and the shakers, some of the people that talk about ideas. And apparently they're impressed enough with him to get invited to this little council. And here he is just talking about Jesus. So listen, we talked about two ends of the spectrum, right? There are a few things that Paul did here in his speech I think we can learn from. Okay, so let's kind of break it down a little bit. First thing, Paul listened. He walked through their city. He didn't refuse to visit these shrines. He purposely visited the shrines of their gods, okay? He didn't condemn or quote a bunch of scripture and walk away. He made an effort to get to know them. He listened. He wanted to know where they were coming from. And Paul starts off saying, hey, I saw you had a shrine to an unknown God. So, so Paul spent a lot of time looking at all these different statues and shrines of the different gods. And these are places where people could pray or place flowers. And among them, there was this altar to the unknown God. See, the Greeks, they wanted to make sure they got every God and every goddess. And they thought, well, what if we missed one? Which is really kind of an interesting idea. If we miss one, they'll probably get angry. So let's make an altar to an unknown God. So this is what Paul does. Paul says, it's kind of clever what he does. He starts off saying that, hey, that God that you have that altar to, I'm gonna tell you, it's Yahweh, it's God. It's, it's the person who sent Jesus, which I think is awesome. So listen, he listened, okay? He totally got them. Second thing is he showed respect, it was common for speakers and writers to start off in Greek culture complimenting their audience, but Paul shows respect to his listeners following this form, and he starts off with a compliment. It's almost like a compliment within a compliment, because he's like, I understand your form, and I'm going to do your form, but I'm also going to pay you a compliment. I'm going to say, you're very religious. And so the Greeks were probably like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It makes me feel very good. And he found something positive to note. But then look, he showed them respect by quoting their poets. 
He, he quotes from Epimenides and, and Aratus, and, and basically he's like, look, I'm gonna show you respect by quoting from the culture. He says, I understand where you're coming from. I see the truth in your perspective. But he didn't just quote, okay? He didn't just give respect. He then built a bridge. He referred to their poets, but he also said that there was truth in those poets. Look in verse 28. It says, he, you know, he just quoted Epimenides, in him we live and move and exist. And then he finishes with Aratus saying, we are his offspring. And then he says, since this is true, which is basically saying like, what you've said is true, okay? And so we can build on this common truth to the case for the one true God. So you see what he's doing, respect builds bridges, and so you find common ground, okay? It, that common ground, it's almost like what he's doing, he's speaking their language, but he's also like joining in and saying, I agree with you. It's like, imagine Paul were speaking to a, a group of Swifties, okay? If Paul were to say, hello, my name is Paul, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> Sorry, I just imagine like, I don't know why I talk like that, but it's just like, hi, it's me, okay? So there are Swifties everywhere. They were zoning out like a few minutes ago. And now they're like, oh my gosh, that's Antihero. That's Antihero. He's, he's quoting Antihero. That's Taylor Swift. So that's how they would have heard his quotes. It's a sign of respect. It's an acknowledgement that I hear you. I'm speaking your language. And look, we got something in common. So Swifties, look, now we got something in common. It's biblical. What's your, li- no, I'm just kidding. It's a little too far. So, so I feel like Paul sets a pattern of this in his encounters where he disagrees with people. And he does it here exceptionally well. Listen to the person you disagree with. Respect their views. Find common ground. And then make sure that you keep the issue on the table. Now, this is about, I want you to notice, Paul doesn't backpedal here. He doesn't water down the truth. He, he says it. In verse 30, he says, we shouldn't think of God as an idol. And then he says, we need to repent. Like I said, the R word. He just pulls it out. So, He listened and respected and built bridges to the truth. It's like he's inviting them to see this truth outside the relationship. It's almost like he's saying the truth is on the table, okay? There's a genius to what we can learn from this idea, this precept of the truth. The thing that we're arguing about is right here, but you and I were good. See, in our day, your thoughts become your identity. What you think becomes who you are. So much so that it serves to separate us from anyone who thinks differently than us. If you don't agree with me, you must hate me. But there's something Paul does here in listening to them, building respect and common ground. And then he tells them, here's the truth. The truth is here, but we're here, okay? It's like he puts that issue on the table and he makes sure that we're good. And I wanna make sure I'm talking about it and not us, okay? I've got friends in academia who, who, who are just offended by my beliefs, you know, and, and I have literally, this is what I have literally said to them, you know, I would say, we're talking about politics or worldview or whatever it is, and especially like philosophy or religious things, uh, you know, I say, I'm me, you're you, I like you, and I hope you like me. Is it okay if we talk about it? And it's the strangest thing, that whole me, you, it separates the idea. And I know it sounds stupid, but I've used that so many times the matter for us to consider is on the table. Again, I like you, hope you like me, but this is the matter we need to consider. And then, you know, Paul did that really well, and then he set up time 
to actually do us more. So I wanna cement this idea. I wanna cement the, all of these ideas, especially that last one. So I would love, and this is where it's gonna get really fun. I'd love to get a volunteer from the audience, okay? And I want to um, have somebody come up here and particularly somebody who might be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Do we have any Dallas Cowboys fans? Uh, yeah, can you come on up? Yeah, come on up here. Just, there's some steps right over there. Let's hear it for him, come on. So as he's coming up, Basically, what I want to do is I want to put an issue on the table. So what I'm going to do here, this is going to be fun. It's like visual aids, okay? So here's it, okay? It, are you a Cowboys fan? I went towards their stadium recently. All right, come on over here. That's good enough. What's your name? Uh, Chase. Chase. All right, let's hear it for Chase. Come on. <laughs> so Chase, we haven't talked before. That's this is, true. This is totally right I'll off the see. bat. Notice I haven't given him a mic because if he's a Dallas Cowboys fan, I don't want to give a mic to evil. So that's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love it. So uh, a couple things we're going to do here, okay? We're just going to like walk through this. And obviously this is like fake and everything. We can't really talk about like a serious issue. But I just thought, let's talk about, I'm an Eagles fan. Diehard Eagles fan. Love them. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Let's see, But see, we love you. You know, you're, you're, you're doing a good job. So... Um, if, let's say we're talking about, like, I think the Eagles are superior because they won the most recent Super Bowl. Oh. Um, but <laughs> you've won, like, 17. yeah, you, you, you won, like, six or seven of them, right? Yeah, or something like that. In the 90s. You guys are good. So see what I'm doing here? I'm listening, and I'm not fake listening, okay? You don't just listen. Sometimes people, when they argue, they'll, they'll like, talk, and, and you'll see the person listening to you, and they're, like, and they're just ready to jump on something or ready to say something. And so, you know, you're interested because you want to, like, jump on something. But when we listen to somebody, like, if I were to talk to you, I want to listen to you. I want to find common interests. And so, you know, as a Cowboys fan, I'd be like, so why are you so wrong? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, so why do you love the Cowboys? America's team. There you go. Okay, so America's team. Okay, yep, we got one person. See, That's we good. Got one yeah, down yeah. There. Just one, just one. He was up here last night, you know, so. <laughs> so then I move into respect. I say, okay, I can respect, you know, and listen, a lot of times, this is so true. Okay, so Chase, listen. A lot of times people will say, um, well, I can respect that. That's cheap respect. Okay, anybody can say, I can respect that. You actually have to say what you respect in order for it to be respect. So you point out something. You find something you can actually agree with, okay? So uh, was your dad uh, a big Dallas Cowboys fan? Nope, just uh, college. See, I could have respected that. See? Wow. Okay, so you listed this. You said uh, America's team. And so here's something, okay, and this is where like respect and bridge building kind of come in. So like when Paul quoted, when Paul quoted from their poets, when we're talking about building common ground, like he, 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 um, he said it is a, a true thing, you know, like he's quoting from their poets. He used this idea that the poets were talking about to support God as the creator of all things. So I'm trying to find something that's between us. And I hear you say America's team, which I strongly disagree with but um but i can find respect i can i can respect this view you know why because it actually turns out the most number of t-shirts sold in the nfl are dallas cowboys t-shirts so Absolutely. that that seems to be true that a lot of people really like it so it seems to be a lot of people in america really and do you see what i'm doing here it's very hard okay this is i would rather I would rather be talking about some hot button political issue right now. I'm, I'm much more attached to the Eagles than I am to any political position. 
<laughs> it would be so much easier for us to be talking about something that like other people would lose their minds on. But anyhow, so, you know, I, I see how I'm, I'm trying to build a bridge. And now listen, this is what the biggest thing I want you to get is to put the issue on the table. So again, we're just talking about Eagles and Dallas and, and it's kind of an innocuous thing. But imagine we're talking about something you know, like seriously that elevates people's blood pressure, okay? So I would say this. I want to keep things good between us. And I've literally said this, okay? I've literally talked to people like this. Hey, you know what? I, I really like talking with you, okay? So Chase, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I'll stay here, though, because I just want to tell you, we're going to talk about it, whether uh, Dallas Cowboys or America's team, okay? Is it okay if we poke at it, but you and I are still good? Let me play with this gong. And no, no, no. <laughs> I'd rather have you play with the gong than talk about Dallas. So that's cool. <laughs> so I want to keep you as a friend. I want to be able to disagree about this. I want us to be able to go to lunch together, you know? And so I think that's the whole idea of keeping the issue on the table. And I think if we practice that, I think more people will have constructive dialogue and stay friends even if they disagree. So you're my friend because we disagree. So oh, have a seat. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Let's hear it for Chase. Well done. It takes a lot of guts to come up here because you don't know where you come from, especially if you're saying you're a Dallas fan. So a couple of things. A couple of things as, as he grabs a seat and as we kind of like pull this to a close here, uh, a couple of things we got to make sure, a couple of caveats. Uh, there might be a conversation like this in which a person says, you know what, I'm not comfortable talking about it. And that's why it's important to have that conversation. You know, you might find out, no, this is too close to me. I can't talk about it. At least you know now that this is not something that you can talk about. Ask them if it's okay to be friends and just not talk about it until they're more comfortable talking about it. And I think that's a great way to conduct it. Final thing on this is you could do all of this and do it well, and people will still be angry or offended or hurt by what you believe. That's okay. Listen to me, this is really important, write this down. Our job is to seek peace with people, not make peace. Do everything you can to seek peace with people, but it's not our job to make peace. That's a two-way street. That's up to those people and God, and some people will never be happy with you and your positions and your ideas. And again, you gotta let that go and seek peace with that person continually but not feel like you gotta make it. So someone once put it like this, the gospel might be offensive to some people, but you don't have to be. Some people just get offended at everything, so try to make sure they are offended at Jesus and not you, okay? So look, we got a lot of work to do, but don't let the amount of work ahead discourage you. It is important that we lead in our culture in this way, and when you don't know what to do because you feel like whatever you say will get people angry and label you as a hater, try these four things, okay? In fact, I got a card here. I'm gonna put this aside. I got a card that I put at all the seats in front of you here. If you're online, if you can just grab a note card or if you want you know, post-it note, whatever it is, I want you to write down these four steps, okay? I think these are really helpful. The listen, respect, find common ground, keep the issue on the table. Maybe if just one of these things was really helpful to you, just write that down. But if you can write those four things down and, and stick them somewhere, you know, stick them on your mirror, stick it in your car, stick it in somewhere where you can remember and kind of internalize this, okay? And then what we're gonna do here in just a few moments, I'm gonna give us some time to talk to God, just some time for you to spend time with God and bring to mind the person or maybe a few people you need to start practicing this with because it's not just about political discussions and hot button issues. This is about communication in general. How many friendships could be helped? How many families could this heal? How many marriages could improve communication? In fact, 
Let me take a minute and just guide us through some time. And, and I just want us to pray and talk to God and say like, man, God, what do I need to be doing with this? So I want you to keep your pen or your pencil with you and your card. This is like an interactive prayer time. As God brings people to mind, as you see faces or think of people that you need to talk with, I want you to write them down. I want you to take it as like, maybe the Holy Spirit's whispering to me, like I need to do something about this, okay? So let me lead us. Let's, t- let's take a time to pray here. So God, first off, we just need a moment here, uh, just to ask forgiveness. God, forgive us if, if we've ignored truth and grace. Forgive us, God, if, if we've been all about being truth tellers and not caring what people think. Maybe, God, we've been noisy gongs. Forgive us if we've taken pride in offending people. And Lord, maybe we've been complicit. Forgive us if we stayed silent. God, we wanna be people that talk about the truth with grace and love, just like you did. So God, maybe there is someone we need to approach and ask forgiveness, someone that we've shut down or exasperated, someone we've been arguing with and it's just in a bad place. God, bring that person to mind and may we write that down on this card. God, we know that some people are just offended by the truth, but God, forgive us for being the offense. Forgive us for not really loving people that we're having conversations with. And forgive us if we haven't spoken up for you. And Lord, give us a spirit like Paul's. Show us where to be bold and show us where we need to be sensitive and love. May we listen and show respect and build bridges to the truth. So Lord, who is it that we need to approach? God, we got a pencil in our hand. We got a pen in our hand. We just wanna know, Holy Spirit, who should we talk to? Who is it that we need to practice this with? I pray that right now you would bring those people to mind that I need to start talking with in grace and truth. Father, we write down these names knowing that we need some, we need to do some things. We need to start talking with truth and grace and I pray that you would help us to do this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.